Mama Docs, it's Laura. I am so excited to bring you probably the last podcast of 2020. This uh, year cannot end fast enough and it is Christmas Eve um, and I just wanted to get it out today to give everyone who celebrates a little gift or anyone who doesn't, who happens to be on call, something uh, to make you smile. Um, This is season three, episode 11, I believe, of the Mama Docs Power podcast. I have never had a group of ladies on. I got to talk to two amazing Mama Docs, Dr. Teresa Castillo and Dr. Anne Alanis, um, both who are OBGYNs in the Houston area, who are friends, who met through the hospital system. And you may know Teresa just completed her first 100 miler. She did it, you know, by herself uh, with some support, but um, not part of a uh, race. And um, she did 33 loops of a three mile loop um, in a park in Houston. And uh, I think some of you may have cheered her on. I heard some mama docs were there. I heard some people from her um, running group were there and just kept her going. She ran to raise money for Anne's um, uh, nonprofit, um, which supports a birthing center in Malawi. Um, Anne is amazing. Um, she grew up in Malawi and tells her whole life story and has um, this amazing uh, nonprofit, uh, Pathawira um, International, and I will put the link in show notes. And it's just going to inspire you. We're going to get a bunch of mom knocks together. We're going to um, hike up uh, Mount Kilimanjaro together. And then we're going to do a medical missions all together in Malawi at this birthing center. And that can include people of all sorts of different, um, you know, specialties. And we can figure it out. But I am inspired and really in the, you know, one of these years that there's uh the pandemic is over we really should do this trip and i'm so excited for you to listen to this podcast please be inspired by my conversation with ann and Teresa. i'm sorry this is so like confusing and annoying and Girl, it goes through an app so funny oh my gosh i know and we're like I'm you know not tech sa- so, i'm not tech savvy either we're not tech savvy at all no. <gasps> Anne, are you here i think it must have worked oh my <laughs> god off the phone <laughs> i think that's what it was we were talking to, to each other and each talking other they're like hey i don't know how to figure this out <laughs> oh my gosh this is so fun i've literally never had two people on this app before and um i wish it were as easy as just like facetiming the two of you and then we could record it but um it really is not that simple. So thank you so much for sticking with it. I'm so happy. <laughs> Yay. 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 Well, um, welcome. I mean, now I have two doctors, Dr. Teresa Castillo and Dr. Anne Alanis. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited and honored, really. Um, I don't know how all three of us had time to um, speak today. So that's great. That's a miracle by itself. It totally is. Yes. Um, and that we figured we... out the phone. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, seriously, we, that was touch and go for a minute. I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know who to start with because there's so much to talk about. But I'm very, I'm just so excited for your, you know, 100 miler that Teresa just completed. So I guess I wanted to start there because I was so inspired, Teresa, by that amazing run, that 31 hour Yes, 40 Ex- minutes. Yes. Extravaganza. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll first start by saying that we're all OBGYNs and um, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, quote unquote, know you guys, but um, there's a lot of backstory and, and wonderful things going on. But um, Teresa, why don't you tell us about the run that you just had and what inspired you to do it? Um, so, well, it, it all started probably my, my inspiration to do the hundred miler was, um, I did a 50 miler with a group of of friends, um, really good friend running friends last year. And after that, 
our like lead Jinda, it's always Jinda's fault. It's, it's basically our little like thing that we always say because she always will jump into something and then we're all kind of like, okay, yeah, let's follow Jinda. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, she signed up for the 100 miler and I was like, okay. I mean, mentally, I was like, I know I want to do it because, you know, you know, hey, I'm, I want to be, it, it's this FOMO thing, you know, just I don't want to miss out. I want to be with the group. Um, but I'm like, if I do this, I have to do it for a good reason. And I'm like, I already kind of knew that, that, that I wanted to do it for, for Anne's charity. Uh, but I hadn't told her that. And it was so crazy because, you know, as I'm training, you know, like as I'm trying to keep a good base throughout the, the first part of the year, um, like around, when did you tell me in June, I think yes. Anne, that, yes. that you were planning to do something because obviously we, you know, you couldn't travel to Kilimanjaro, you know, to, to Malawi, you couldn't do Kilimanjaro this year, um, because of COVID and travel restrictions. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh my God, this is just so perfect <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. because Anne was planning to do a 100 mile hike. Um, crazy. Um, yeah, because I usually do Kilimanjaro. So I, you know, we fundraise for the charity, which we'll talk more about. And so every year I've gone and hiked Kilimanjaro and I have a group of people that join me on the Kilimanjaro. So what we do is I do all the planning and putting the trip together. So this year would have been my fifth year to go. And, um, you know, with COVID that got canceled, but we still have an organization and charity that needs to keep running. So I was trying to find something that would feel like Kilimanjaro for my donors, like I'm still doing something difficult, um, you know, and not just like, oh, just give the money anyway, I'm not going to do anything. So I had arranged to do a hundred mile hike in four days and then like recruited people to sort of, you know, hike, walk or, you know, run it with me. And so we ran into each other and that's how, you know, that all started. Go on, Dr. Cassidy. Perfect. Yeah. Hundred mile hike and a hundred mile run. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just couldn't have been more perfect. I was like, yeah, this is it's a crazy coincidence. Um, and, and so um, Anne did her hike in September? Yes. September, September 23rd. Yeah. Yes. And so I was like, well, I'm training for, originally I was going to be doing the Brazos Bend 100. Um, and in December, December 5th was the original date. And then of course, you know, as all things, as a lot of the races went this year, unfortunately it got canceled. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm still committed to this hundred mile run. I'm not going to um, cancel it. I've already started fundraising. You know, I've, you know, been training. I'm, I'm mentally there. I've been listening, listening to so many, um, you know, ultra marathon um, stories. And so I'm like, I'm so ready to do this. Um, And and so we ended up, my, a girlfriend and I ended up uh, planning to do our virtual race with just a few weeks prior to doing it um, at a, a local park in Houston. Yes. That was pretty central to us. I saw that. It was a three-mile It's a three-mile loop. That you did, what, 33 times? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That doesn't sound crazy at all. No, right? It sounded totally sane. And actually, you know what? I'm really happy we picked that place because it really was a central place. It was safe. It was so well lit. I mean, even in the middle of the night, I never felt scared. Um, there was, there was always, um, except, you know, like between 12 and four, there was really nobody there, but, (laughs) but other than that, I mean, there was always people around, you know, and it felt pretty safe. Crazy. And, um, I mean, you had a whole crew of people come by, but Anne, um, came and run with, ran with you for, I don't know, twice actually, right? right? Like once. Yes. I was, I was so happy. and did like I brought my son and, um, you know, so I did 10 miles with her. Um, and then, you know, I had the pleasure of going home and sleeping that off (laughs) (laughs) while she kept on, kept on. And then came back the morning that I was sort of timing when she would finish the cross line, you know, I mean, um, you know, cross the finish line, you know, so I could have the glory of being around for the finish line. So I did four miles (laughs) with her on the last day because I kind of timed it like, oh, she should be in the last, you know, few miles. And so I came and kind of, you know, did that, which was really big because at that point, you know, obviously 
she's like spent, right? And so, (laughs) yes, I needed any little inspiration, any positive word (laughs) to just help me to keep going. I just reread your race report. I mean, it is just incredible how you toughed through those last couple miles. Like you were saying, like you're basically like 20 minute mile, like, you know, minute miles, Uh like dying and then you picked it up at the end yeah you know like there was this one particular guy Isaac he's uh, he's been doing ultras for a long time and he had just finished 100k the day before and he looked great like nothing you know he had the whole time like he was unaffected totally unaffected and he's like come on let's pick it up he's like my theory on if you walk versus run at the end is just like if you're still in pain walking you might as well just run Uh, and so (laughs) I was like yeah I just want to get this over with I'm like I'm so done with these loops like I'm like if I have to do another I mean like I was like these loops are never gonna end so I was like let's just pick it up a little bit and so there I am in my little shuffle trying to just (laughs) keep going (laughs) and just finish good for you oh my god that is definitely my mantra at the end of the race like if you just go faster you'll take your pain like quicker it'll be done sooner exactly (laughs) exactly um and then did you know you had a fracture? I didn't. Like, wow, you were at running. All. I mean, I just knew, like, like, there's, like, this new pain. I'm so used to the hip pain, the hamstring pain. I was like, oh, this is all totally normal. I've had that before. But I was like, man, I have this, just a lot of discomfort on my ankle. Like, this is totally new. Um, and I took some Tylenol, but that really did nothing at all. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I'll just, you know, just, I changed my shoes out. I was like, just keep going and just get through it. You know, at this point, I didn't really have a choice. I just couldn't stop. I was like, there's so much writing on this. I'm like, I have to do this. I said I would do this and I'm going to do this for, for, for Pathira. Yeah. You're freaking amazing. Are you still in the boot? I'm still in the boot. Yep. uh, I'm still in my little boot. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, bones will heal. So I'm you know, hopefully you'll be brand new pretty soon. (laughs) Why don't you all tell us how you know each other? I'm so curious. Like how do you know each other from training or just from around? Um, So we actually met because we're both, you know, sort of worked around uh, hospitals that were close to each other. So I joined Houston Methodist Hospital as a gynecological oncologist and, um, you know, Teresa at the time was working at um, Cypher Hospital, which is one of the mm-hmm. hospitals that, we, that was like, you know, pretty much like right next door. And so I had privileges at all the hospitals close by just so I'd be able to be available for all the OBGYNs that works with for consultations, intraoperative or uh, patient consults. And so we were working together quite a bit because she, you know, somehow seemed to find all the cancers in the area. I do. I was really good at every time there was a cancer, however horrible (laughs) it was when she was on call. And so I would always meet her for like what were always disasters. Right. And I even remember one of the disasters we had like a, um, a trauma surgeon, her in there and myself. That's how disastrous most of the cases she Mm. had were. And so, um, so we just sort of build a friendship because we would talk you know during cases and talk when we would have consults together and so she was right around your 40th birthday we were doing a case together and so Mm -hmm. I remember her saying you know for my 40th birthday you were not going to do your first was it half or full marathon full marathon I was going to try to do another a a marathon that was my goal yeah Yeah. and so at the time the running thing was kind of fairly new to you at least running at that intensity but it was like a a thing that you were going to do for that time I said well you know you keep doing that because when you get you know like really good at it then I'm going to take you to Kilimanjaro because you know you pretty much will be ready for it by the time you're done you know and so um so that's how we kind of kind of married our you know interests I've never been good at working out in the gym um you know I always say if you're an African child I think you're like taught to run from the time you come out of the womb and that's the only kind Mm. of exercise you know how to do is run so I feel like in some shape or form I've always walked or run my whole life right because we didn't have cars growing up or anything like that so we walked everywhere and ran everywhere ran to school ran to you know so you know the only sports I was ever really interested in was running so 
Um, so I think we've kind of found like a common sort of love and ground on there. And so she introduced me to the, actually added me to the, you know, running, you know, mama docs in the group and helped me also kind of prepare for my hundred mile hike in kind of like how to train, how to get ready for it. Um, she actually came and ran 26 miles of that. Um, and it was pretty difficult terrain. So she came one of the days and actually ran um, the hike that we were doing uh, for like 26, 26 and a half or more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You, the one you just did, the in one September. I did in September, but the terrains were not like the park was at least, you know, right. like a smooth. I mean, this was like up and down going under logs, jumping over logs, uh, crossing streams, uh, muddy because we had just had a storm that came through. I thought I couldn't believe she ran it. Uh, because, you know, it just uh, was not the easiest one to run through, but she actually yeah. ran it and, you know, well, finished ahead I, of us. I, I, yeah. I did walk a bit. <laughs> <laughs> like the, sometimes the grass was way too high for me to try to run through. Exactly. Yeah. Just kind it of was walk. Like grass that was like scratching your legs and then mm-hmm. spider webs everywhere. So you'd be like in the middle of moving and then a giant spider wave was like in your face. I felt like by the time I was done, like my hat was covered in, in spider webs you know, mm-hmm. because I was the African girl in the group. I've like, you know, practically grown up with all kinds of animals around me. I was like, put me in the front. I'll take the spiders for everybody. <laughs> so tell me where this hike this hundred mile hike occurred and like, it sounds like you must have, cause it's over four days. Did you camp out in the woods? So we had decided to not camp out in the woods because we actually had, I can't remember what the tropical storm was, it was like beta or something like that came around around the same time. So we knew it was going to be wet. It Got was it. just going to be terrible. And anyway, walking yeah. and doing, you know, like hiking this in, in four days was already going to be brutal. So I actually had done a practice hike of the entire hike a month before that. Um, and then it. did it with a group, you know, then. So what we did is we just found a little, like, because it's a small town. It's Lone Star Hiking Trail. It's actually a beautiful trail. I was impressed that in Houston, where it's generally flat and there's not a whole lot going on, that there was a place with, like, tall, green, you know, trees. And just, just it's a really beautiful hike. And for the it runs about 129 miles of it. And like really each day was a completely different hike from the day before. Mm-hmm. So you weren't like doing a loop. It was something different every day. Um, and so we wow. found a little hotel that was close by. And so what we do, we had somebody drop us off. And then we had rescue stations kind of along the way. Um, we would kind of strategically have places where we would stop and, you know, for like water and something to eat. And so, and it mapped out based on the trailhead. So some days were longer than others. So like the first day we did 25 miles. Uh, the second day we did 30.1 miles. And uh, the third day, I think we did like another 26 or 27 miles. And then like literally on the last day, we ended up with like 16 or 17 miles. But that's because you just went from one trailhead to the next so in some places you couldn't stop in the middle. You just kind of had to commit to the end of that trailhead and then start off from there. So I had several people that, so I had four people that did the entire thing with me, but then everybody else sort of like similar to Teresa, which I love, you know, because, you know, I grew up where it really takes a village um, to survive through a lifetime. And so the most beautiful thing I experienced similar to her was like every day we would have somebody kind of join us, somebody with you know, fresh outlook and would sort of encourage us through because, I mean, we were bruised, toenails were falling off. I mean, we had, you know, like, I mean, every morning it's like there was a whole hour session of tapping ourselves up to get ourselves into our boots and literally crying Mm. as we put our boots on because it hurt so bad and then thinking, okay, if I'm crying, putting my boot on and then I'm supposed to be walking 30.5 miles, you know, (laughs) Um, and so it was so nice to have people that are have fresh feed, fresh perspective, and just sort of coming in and encouraging, have new stories to share. Um, and so, you know, we did it in four days. And I think by the time we were done, because we had to take some detours, we ended up doing like 101.5 miles or something like that. Um, from a fundraising standpoint, it was very successful. I think people thought we were out of our minds doing it. But, you know, I now look at Teresa and I'm like, I wasn't out of my mind because she did this like in 30 (laughs) hours and we at least broke it up, went to bed in a comfortable bed and then came back and started the next day. She literally Mm. went straight through the night. I don't know how she did. 
So <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's the OBGYN in I her, think like so. a, a obstetrician in her, waiting for a baby to be born. Just has to. That was so, Laura. <laughs> honestly, though, that was that was my mentality. I was all like, "Well, you know, I have lots of sleepless nights, so this is cross training for my for this hundred mile race where I'm going to be up the whole night." But I, I don't know. I don't know if I would compare it to that. <laughs> I know. I mean, <laughs> Living through. You're also yeah. You're also exercising, yes. like working your body as hard as humanly possible, yes. like every minute of like the waking hours. So I, I don't that know. Was, if it's yeah. Very comparable. That was so painful. It was just like I mean, because literally, like around mile sixty and seventy, I like kept these like huge waves of like all I could think about like it was cold and it was raining and all that could go through my mind was just my bed and how much I wanted to lay down (laughs) and be you know in a warm place (laughs) oh my gosh I just interviewed um Nicole um who's an ultra runner Uh uh Yedlinski and um she was talking about the hundred miler too and it's gotten me thinking I'm like I can do one but now I'm rethinking my whole life. It's a lot of training. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, going into it, like, I mean, I was like, yeah, I, I probably needed to train a little more. Like, you didn't practice run, like, what was it, two weeks before? And you did like 62, no, no, right? 62? No, 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 no. It was like back in October, yeah. I did a, a 100K. Yeah. And, and that was that that had that was the longest I had ever run at that point. And that took me like a good, I want to say 15 to almost 16 hours. Um, mm. and, and so I, but that but it was I was so thankful that I did it because, you know, mentally, like, you know, after a while, you're just like your body is so tired and you're in so much discomfort. You, you know, your mind starts to saying you can't do it anymore. You know, you're just done. You're spent. And it was I felt it was such a good experience, at least because I went through that. But I'm like, okay, now I know this is how I felt. And I need to, you know, I need to fight that. I need to try to stay positive. I need to think about other things and, you know, and and talk with friends or, you know, just distract myself um, so that I can um, get through this. Because, yeah, it it took a lot. It, It really did. But I was so grateful for everyone that came out and was supportive and just hung out and and did everything they could just to make make my goal a reality that that was like I think the best part it was just all the support and the love that that was there that day and tell us the truth how was her disposition on this so, last to couple be honest miles? with you like when I went and did because you were <laughs> on mile 45 when I joined you was mm-hmm. it 45 or 46 when I joined you the first time I thought she looked like right. you know I mean she's just like eh, you know and I was like, shoot, she's at mile 45 or 42. And I thought she looked really good. Um, you know, and here's the thing with her. I don't think she focused so much on the negative words because usually like I was like, so how are you doing? And she would say something like, oh, hanging in there. It's tough, but I'm hanging in there. So, you know, and not like continue describing every pain, every twinge, which I think is like a, probably a big part of that. Because I think sometimes if you transfer your brain too much to the pain, um, then I think then you feel it even a little bit more. And I thought it was incredible that she kept a pretty good disposition in terms of the fact that she didn't focus too much on all the physical ailments. You know, like I knew she was feeling things because she had told me a few things that she was feeling, but we would move on and just talk about other things that had nothing to do with the running. I thought she looked Actually, we took a picture probably like around mile 52, 55, and I thought she looked really good. I would probably be crying at that point um, because I know I was <laughs> crying on the hike at that point, you know, and so, and I know I've cried on Kilimanjaro when I'm at that point, you know, and so, um, you know, um, but definitely when I came back towards the end, it was, you know, I, she looked like she had found new wind, you know, at least when I caught her on those last four or five miles, you know, it was not as fast of a run as initially when I had come in, but she wasn't walking. I mean, we pretty much ran straight through all of that with very, and even if there was a walk, it was literally like 30 seconds and then she was back up, you know? And so I think Mm. the idea of, let me just get to the end. There's no reason to prolong the pain, just end it. And I'm the only person who can end that. She just like, Mm. Hello. Hello. 
Oh, we lost Dan. I don't know. She did. I don't know. All right. She says, she, oh, it looks like she's still connected. Anyway, <laughs> it sounded like you were doing really, really well yeah. at the end, Teresa. Just yeah. trying to hang in there. Were your kids and family there? At yes, the very they end? came, and I was. It was so happy to see. I was so happy to see them. Absolutely. Sorry, I got I got cut off for some reason. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yes, sometimes when you get oh, a yeah, call yeah, or something, call but um, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. She was saying uh, you were saying she looked great she at looked the end, really good uh, at despite. The end. I mean, you could tell she was tired, but I think she was also determined to finish. And I probably saw more of that. You know, she didn't look like I'm um, yeah. so. I mean, you could tell that it's been long, you know. Um, you know, but I still felt like I think having this. You know, he was great actually at the end because he had lots of stories to share. At some point, he was literally singing. You know, as we were running. Oh the yeah, last Isaac. Miles, yes, he was incredible. Isaac was singing and making up songs, and it was kind of funny. He was. Yeah, <laughs> they were like really good songs, you know, and they were like ultra marathoner songs that they sing at the end when everything is so bad, you know. But when you put it in a song, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> anything to distract your right. mind just keep moving mm -hmm. one foot in front yes, of the and other he's laughing the jokes, so that's good right i think that's a pretty good disposition yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely um and andrew Risa, why don't you guys tell us about why we did this or why you guys did this all um and love you know project of love um the birthing center in malawi so yeah tell us so all about i actually that. grew up in malawi i was born and raised there and you know malawian and so you know grew up um with you know like a family of eight i'm the oldest um and so you know we grew up in the village areas i always tell people i'll been i would have been that african child you would take a picture with whenever you go to africa so you can show your friends right so nothing really modern grew up kind of around the villages carried water on my head we struggled for basic things you know uh, clean water even you know I remember getting water from places where like you know goats were drinking from there cows were drinking from there literally from streams and you know so I grew up really seeing sort of like you know healthcare and just general human existence where you're just kind of trying to make it day by day you know, my parents were educated, but one of the reasons why we lived where we lived, my dad, who's a medical person, always felt like the places where he wanted to practice medicine will be places where they were most underserved. So he always opted to work in the village areas versus working in the big cities. And so that's where most of my life experiences were. But because my parents were educated, they really emphasized education and so as I grew up, I got to watch my dad working. He had very minimal things. I don't think I even I had a point of reference to figure out why things were the way they were. Women would die in childbirth. Babies died when, you know, you know, moms gave birth. I just thought that was just normal. And in fact, culturally, nobody would even name babies or talk about them until they were at least six months old because we knew that just being pregnant wasn't a guarantee that there would be a baby or a live mom at the end. Imagine how shocking it was for me to come to the U.S. and people have baby showers and baby rooms that are decorated and names already. I was like, you know, how presumptuous mm. is this? You know, because I didn't really know the concept of expecting that a pregnancy would end positively. And so the way I came to the U.S. is there was actually an uh, American ER doctor who came to the U.S. to Malawi for medical missions, kind of met my dad and my family. And she just thought I had a lot of potential, but wasn't going to really get a lot of opportunity to be able to pursue a career in medicine. So she gave me a private scholarship, um, brave woman, because she only knew my family for two weeks, but brought me from the U.S. I actually mm. moved in with her. Um, and, uh, you know, the first year I did like one year of high school here in the U S and finished up my high school year, then did four years of college residency here. I, I mean, medical school residency and then fellowship in gynecological oncology. So, you know, women's healthcare naturally for me, because that's where I always wondered why childbirth was so dangerous in Malawi. So it was just something I was always interested in to kind of know more about. So it was very natural for me to be attracted to OBGYN, um, 
And so, you know, in during my training, I think I started kind of looking for a greater purpose as to there are so many other kids in the village that are very brilliant and they don't make it to school. They don't make it through college. You know, they don't even really have a pathway for them to be able to advance with their schooling. So I think I started looking for what was the reason why I was the person that was given the opportunity to come to the U.S. and be able to do what I'm doing. So naturally, you know, doing something in Malawi uh, surrounding women's health care and especially looking at maternal mortality became natural. So with my family, we founded Portawira. And it basically has an outpatient clinic. Um, it has the birthing center. And then we have an orphanage. Um, you know, most of our kids, they are, you know, children whose mothers died giving birth to them or a sibling. Um, and then we have a school where the kids go because we still believe that really education is ultimately going to be the way these kids are going to get out of poverty. You can't keep them in an orphanage and then send them out when they're old with no means to be able to be productive citizens when, you know, when they get out. And so, you know, so every year I've climbed Kilimanjaro, you know, for that cause. Again, like I, when I go back and I see the themes that women go through, you know, young women, 25, 26 years old, dying in childbirth because they just have very minimal resources and few places to give birth in a facility that has resources. I realized that that's a fine line that separates me and them. I was one of them and was supposed to be giving birth at these hospitals where they were dying. And in fact, my mother laid on the same floors when she was giving birth. And so, you know, um, it, it just gives a really different meaning, you know, to my life and complete existence and even the, the purpose as to why I was given the chance to come to the U.S., so my family's on the ground and they do all the work and my job has kind of been being in the U.S. and finding ways to raise money. Um, and so that's where, you know, these, you know, the running and the hiking, you know, going to Kilimanjaro have been sort of creative ways that, I've, you know, I've had to come up with in order to raise money for it. So it's amazing that Teresa just sort of jumped on board. I think the first time you did the San Francisco, she raised like $2,500 for us just with mm -hmm. that. It's amazing that like, you know, people will give to these things. And so, um, and so she raised $2,500 the first time. And then this time, you know, $3,000. And so, you know, she's mm -hmm. always given herself personally, but then realized if she could use her love for running for something bigger than just her love for running, then it would have a bigger impact. And, and even while she was running this 100K, I was watching her fundraising line just go up like that. Like she went in, I think you were barely at half. By the time she was finishing, mm -hmm. she was over her goal, um, which is amazing um, because people gave to her because they believed in what she was doing. They believed in the cause that was putting herself through that pain and everything else she was feeling, you know, for the sake of these women. It just makes even people that would be doubting to be like, you couldn't put yourself through that unless you really believe that what you were doing matters. And I think that's where she's really had an impact, right? Because there are people that give to her that wouldn't give to me because they don't know me. So it's really created a whole different network of her friends and her family, you know, that support her, which expands my network just through that. Wow. I mean, your that story is, is just incredible and your whole life, you know, mm -hmm. testimony is, is certainly so humbling. Um, how tell us about the Kilimanjaro like um you know journeys that you've been on like five times first of all just doing it once you know is something that people are proud of um I don't know how how did that become your thing. your <laughs> so you know, thing that you would do with uh, Tanzania your crazy thing right next door to Malawi it's easy because you can do Tanzania and then we go to Malawi and everybody can see the birthing center that they climbed for the children that are there and then why it, did they do it so it just makes it Got easy it. number two this is on everybody's bucket list right I mean people dream of this they would go and pay money to do it even if it wasn't for a cause so you know I had a friend of mine who was doing mm. something with Kilimanjaro for clean water reasons and he said to me i know you're looking for ways to like raise money why don't you try this and if you feel like you get to a point where you get a good following you can actually do this kilimanjaro you know climb so the first time i went with my friend and he was doing a clean water climb and um you know on summit night it was you know it, it's like you're going up three thousand straight up and you're hiking for eight hours every step
that because of the elements, the cold, the altitude. I mean, I was thinking to myself, what did I get myself into? I think 20 minutes into um, summit night, I wasn't so sure that was a good idea. Um, I had gone from never having climbed yeah. anything to like Kilimanjaro, which was crazy. I've never even knew what altitude sickness would feel like until I was there. So um, I remember taking every step and the kind of like what Teresa was thinking, you get to a point where I just had to get in my head and start thinking about what are the reasons I'm doing? What is the goal? And I thought about like, you know, all of my mother's friends that I knew that either died in childbirth, so they came home without a baby. And, you know, like what I was going through was nothing in comparison, right? I was getting to live in the United States of America. I was having my babies in a clean facility. And I I knew when I was pregnant, there was a 99.99% probability that I was going to go home alive with a good baby. And that is something that my friends and family in Malawi were still not experiencing. But after that, I remember thinking to myself, uh, never again. Um, this is terrible. <laughs> and then but the response I got was amazing. I had done fundraisers in people's homes. I had done parties. And after planning for six months, I would raise maybe five or $6,000. And the first time I did Kilimanjaro, I raised just, you know, it was me and my sister that went and we, between the both of us, we raised $15,000. And that was us just training ourselves mm. for it without having to spend six months of like arranging a party that didn't really give us much return. And so I was like, okay, for what we achieved, I will do it. So the second year I did it, but this time now I recruited other people to go and then asked them like, hey, if you would go anywhere because it's your bucket list item, why don't you raise money in your network of friends? So they would raise like a minimum of you know $5,000 and then they pay for their trip. And then the donations would just basically come from all their friends. I'm climbing Kilimanjaro because I've always wanted to do it, but I'm doing it for a good cause. And so with that, it started really mm. just like multiplying, right? And so my network of people is increasing because people kind of become invested in watching me climb and see if I summited, see what elements I ran into, what was difficult or better. People really get into that and they follow the journey. And so, you know, I was starting to see increases where I was raising $20,000, you know, $30,000. But then when you add the other people, you know, that are also going with me, I mean, we were now getting to a point where we're raising fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 that I would never have dreamed that I would be able to raise. Again, it's because when you add the other element, the whole Texas village thing, they have a whole network of people that would never donate to me because they don't know me, but they donate to one of their own because she's climbing Kilimanjaro or he's climbing Kilimanjaro. Um, so, it, it, you know, most people that have gone with me have done it just once. I don't have any repeats. I think I have one repeat because she did the first time with her brother, the second time she <laughs> did it with her dad. It's one of the anesthesiologists that I work with that uh, Willowbrook, uh, his daughter went with her brother and and then the second time she went back with her dad. Um, so she's the only repeat I have so far. But most people go once. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, there's nothing like that that you've ever done before. Um, and so I feel like in some ways it gives, you know, it just brings the whole just being out, uh, like unplugged from everything. You know, I think you find out that we all have more in ourselves and we give ourselves credit for and that we can always go further than we think we can, which I think is the same way, like doing mm -hmm. the hundred miles. Just when you think you've got nothing left, mm -hmm. there's still something. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And doing it for a different cause, for a cause, for something worthwhile. And just knowing that we, we are choosing to put ourselves in discomfort, like we're actually not dying in childbirth or we're not, you know, um, walking for clean water. We're choosing to do something when other people are suffering so badly. It really gives us, you know, mm -hmm. perspective in, in the world and everything. Yeah, so, totally oh my agree. gosh. Um, so, um, and your family is running the clinic and then do you also exactly. so run medical missions I there too? Groups of people, um, different specialties. So from nurses to scrub techs to OBGYNs, I've had general surgeons, um, I have had a urologist who's actually now gone with me three times, um, you know, so like different specialties and we set it up ahead of time. And so if we know what time frame we're going to go, we notify them. They essentially recruit all the patients that have different, you know, surgical needs or whatever specialized medical needs. And so once we know the specialties that are going, they'll have all the patients. So when we show up, literally there's a line of people and it's like, 
you you know, this is your crew, you know, for the OBGYNs, these are all the patients that are here for the OBGYNs, these are for the urologists, this is a general surgery. And then we screen them and then just operate. Um, and so, you know, we do surgeries, uh, we do a lot of training, um, you know, and so, you know, our nurses are like amazing because I feel like during that time frame between what we do as physicians and kind of empowering the people on the ground, we work a lot with the local staff, even in the operating room to kind of train them how to do some of these procedures so that when we're gone, they're able to do them. It's always great when we go back and we find out, oh, I did my first, you know, hysterectomy, you know, after you guys, you know, left and this patient is doing well, or I had this particular, you know, issue with a patient and I took care of it. And so we try to do it not just where we go in and do a bunch of stuff and leave. We also try to make sure that we leave behind something that will keep on giving even after we're gone, whether that's through education, leaving the materials and books and supplies, you know, you know, different things like that. But so um, when I plan the trips, I usually put it out like, okay, I'm going back to Kilimanjaro. So I, I basically recruit people interested in climbing and then recruiting people that probably just want to come to Malawi for like a medical mission trip. And then, you know, we, you know, agree on the dates. And so usually the group that goes just for the medical will just fly out to Malawi for the medical. The group that goes to Kilimanjaro with me will fly out to Tanzania, climb to Kilimanjaro, and then come back to Malawi and join the other people. And then we do it that way. So, um, yeah, so it's been, you know, really good. And it also gives people perspective, especially for the climbers to kind of see, like they can see firsthand what their gift, you know, will do and for who it will do it for. Yeah. Yeah. This is a full-time second job. It is definitely a full-time second job. Yes. (laughs) What? Wow. I'm like, I'm. I'm absolutely floored. I'm guessing because of the pandemic, this is really um, disturbed, you know, this year and fundraising and exactly you know, going and for missions and all that. People here are struggling as well. People have lost their jobs, you know, so we have donors that were consistent mm-hmm. monthly donors that we lost because they're not working. And so I think not being able to do Kilimanjaro and thinking if I don't raise money, we're going to have to close our doors. And that was really difficult. And so I think that this whole thing with the hundred milers mm-hmm. that we've done, you know, it gave people the same feeling that they would get. Like you're going to Kili, that's crazy. Or you're running a hundred miles. Uh, how much do you need? <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, when people ask right. me, like, was it as hard as Kilimanjaro? And I was like, it's a different hardness, right? Because on Kilimanjaro, not only are you dealing with the distance, you know, getting up to 19,000, but you're also doing a lot with the elements. So you may only walk eight miles in one day, but eight miles on Kilimanjaro feels like you've walked 50 miles, right? Because you have all the elements. And right. so and so with this, it's a different kind of grit, right? Because it's the distance and you, you, the pain that, I mean, like, I had pain in parts of my body that have never hurt before, you know? And so mm-hmm. I was like, I yep. didn't know that part existed because <laughs> I've never felt that before, you know? And so, um, and so I told everybody by the time it was done, I said the grit that it took to finish that hundred miles was no different than what gets up to that 19,000 feet. And you're looking down and be like, how in the world did I get up here? You know? And so it's, it's really honestly, yeah. you know, uh, pretty much, you know, the same. <laughs> So, um, you know, it was good because oh I think gosh. having had the response and then having people like Teresa join in really increased that network and allowed me to be able to raise pretty close, if not even over what I raised last year. I'm kind of getting the numbers together so I can give a nice little shout out to everybody who participated in all this. I was waiting for Teresa to finish hers to get our final numbers, but I really feel like everybody jumped on board and having the extra people that joined in even to support her. Um, increase that. It made up for the people that we lost because they cannot, you know, work this year. Um, and so, you know, I feel that we're going to keep our doors yeah. open and we're going to keep offering, you know, safe facilities for women in Malawi. Nice. I mean, are you trying to plan for 2021 already? Like, I'm trying um, to think trips about or it, but I'm like, things like that. Or you just see the trend of what happens with this new uprise that we've had in the disease. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of requirements. You know, when we get there, depending on whether we're high risk over there here compared to them. So if they put us in quarantine for 10 days when we get there, then 
you know, you lose a lot of time in quarantine. So I think I'm kind of trying to gauge where things are over there and where we are over here. Um, So that's a little bit tough because, you know, by now I'm already heavily recruiting, um, you know, so I may be doing, you know, Kaylee may be a little bit easier. You know, the Malawi portion will be determined whether or not we're going to be asked to quarantine. I know we can go to Tanzania and do Kilimanjaro and come down and not have to quarantine. But then in Malawi, if we're required to quarantine before we can see patients, it's 10 days of quarantine. And for physicians that only may be able to take seven days mm-hmm. off, because, you know, I have people that stay there five days, seven days, you know, 10 days, 14 days. I usually try to take about three weeks. And so, but it's like, you know, people can't always take three weeks off. Um, and so that may be the limiting factor, oh, yeah. the requirement for quarantine, or if they lift that up, then I think it will open up more. But I would by now have, you know, like dates down. It's just like I'm kind of trying to see what happens between this month and next month in terms of right. the numbers with, with COVID. How has the pandemic so, affected them directly enough, in Malawi? Like How is that going? in general is doing well. Um, we, you know, even though they're doing less yeah. testing because they just don't have it available, we are not seeing loads of people dropping dead from respiratory infections because that's how we would know that it's hitting us is that people would just start dying from respiratory related things. And right now there hasn't been any sort of extensive uprising that. So I feel like we're a little more high risk to them than they are to us. I wonder if it's the weather or, um, you know, we have all these comorbidities mm-hmm. that are, you know, obesity and, um, you know, asthma and some other more developed worlds comorbidities. So I wonder I if it's like either of those things, two things. I also thought, um, you know, they probably have, I always joke around that when I moved here, I feel like I moved into a bubble, like, uh, like, uh, like I moved from where I was exposed to everything. And then I feel like every day for me was like a sterile environment here because I grew up in the dirt. And so, like, I yeah. just stopped getting sick. Like, yeah. any ailment I ever had when I was in Malawi, malaria, all that kind of stuff, it went away. And I, like, rarely go to a doctor for a sick visit. I can't tell you the last time I went to a physician's office because I was sick. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so so I You're think, super like, hardy. Like, have superior <laughs> antibodies over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they've been eating dirt and Amazing. drinking dirty water. I mean, you know, who knows, right? And so... For all I know, they already all are immune <laughs> to the COVID. You know, I mean, <laughs> I see. I mean, yeah. It sounds like yeah, you expose it's yourself. You have right, you're yeah. just immune to everything already. You. Yeah, it's <laughs> less literally natural there, immunity. You know, less obesity. You've literally I think seen that probably still will have something to do with this. So even if they're getting sick, probably their symptoms are so mild that most people have mild symptoms and they don't even know they're getting sick mm. and getting over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's our weak <laughs> American constitutions that are real. <laughs> we're just too privileged and we can't handle anything so <laughs> um Teresa I want to yeah. circle back to you and just talk about running and your family and what um your everyday like sort of life and training and work look like well I am very fortunate I feel to be a, a hospitalist which has um a, um, opened up like a, a, a great opportunity for, I guess, for me, at least work-life balance. Um, um, I, I work my shifts and then the days that I'm off, I would, I would run or I would be with my family. Um, as far as, um, sorry. <laughs> and, no, and your and kid, three you have three children, kids. I, yes, I have a beautiful girl, exactly. like two girls I and a boy. Have, uh, an 11 year old son, Lucas, and my twin daughters. Um, Aida and Eva, and they're eight. Yes. The loves of my life. Totally. So spontaneous oh, actually, girl, no, girl, twins. both of my, with, with my children, I had to go through, um, IUI and then IVF. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Did you have, well, we're um, all obstetricians. Always fascinated. You listen to my podcast. I'm always <laughs> asking like, so how did you deliver your twins? So how did you deliver yeah. your twins? So yeah, it was crazy. I had my scheduled yes. induction, but like, you know, I, I, I didn't dilate at all. And my, my OB offered to like, let me go home and like, try again a few days. There's like, Oh no, no, I'm on a time clock. I only have six weeks off. Yes. And so we're getting delivered today. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so yes. I was just a repeat C-section then once my, my girls were term, uh, 
Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, that's easy. History of yeah, C-section like, twins. I'm getting You're a getting C-section. a C-section. I'm like, I'm not even risking it. No, there's no, I'm not, nothing heroic here. <laughs> like, I'm just good. I had my C-section plan. I didn't have my, my birth plan, but I'm like, I have my C-section plan. <laughs> right. Have you lived in the Houston area, like, basically all your life? Or Pretty how much. did you get there? I mean, yeah, I've born and raised. Um, I went um, to medical school in San Antonio and to residency um, at UCSF Fresno and then came back. And um, yeah, I've lived here pretty much all my life um, with the exception of like my training. Yeah. Yeah. And was running always sort of no, something you did? Um, honestly, um, I, I, I would do it every once in a while. And like I started until I turned 30, did I start like you know, running a little bit more. I mean, I always joke that PE was like my worst subject in, in high school. Um, I tried to do it. I, well, I did a marathon at age 30. My cousin convinced me to do it and join her. Um, and we did San Diego. Well, I did San Diego because she ended up like having to back out at the last minute. And it was like the worst experience ever because I didn't, because oh, no. I had not trained. I didn't know. A cl- I hadn't had right. a clue what I was getting myself into. And so it took me over 10 years to try it again. And so that's probably when I was talking to Anne about when I was like 40, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to do a marathon again, you know, but I joined a running club and I brought proper shoes and like learned about nutrition and hydration and who knew it would make such a difference <laughs> and, right. and how your, you know, your outlook was, you know, once you were during the race and after the race. And, and honestly, I got, I totally got hooked. Um, another thing that I'm really thankful for, um, I mean, running for me has been really just very therapeutic. Um, I, I, I tell, you know, everyone that I meet, I'm like, for me, like I'm, I lost my mom about six years ago and um, you know, it's just an emptiness, I guess. Um, but mm. just with running, I mean, it's been just finding a new network of friends and just being able to be out there and clear your mind and, you know, just, you know, just, you know, dealing with the stresses of work and home and, and kids and everything else. I mean, I, I feel like it's been such a blessing for me to be able to do this, to run. And I, I don't see myself, you know, stopping or, or giving this up anytime soon I really want to continue to do this um, do you see any more hundred milers in your so future I honestly do Laura I know that sounds crazy oh my god <laughs> that's exciting but though like, I mean I definitely I know that I, I need to train more <laughs> maybe Anne will do the I, whole right? thing with you I next time I think fair <laughs> seriously just kidding but no I mean I I definitely I don't want to rule it out I like the thing with just like long distance and um you know um ultra running is just yeah it's just being out there like I said it's just so therapeutic for me I I just love it I just get into my zone and I'm like I can just clear my thoughts and and just enjoy you know just the the beauty of, of nature especially when you're doing it in trails things like that and just the friendships you make are just lifelong yeah Yeah. the ultra running community sounds really they cool like really tight and really cool I've only met them once you know like and and like they're like coming out to cheer for me and root me on I'm like oh my god yeah you guys are awesome (laughs) I started googling crazy races I mean I don't know if I'll ever do them but (laughs) I just I definitely started to look look through them um and I wanted to ask you the same question in terms of like family so yeah tell us a a little bit about my first baby was medical school baby so he is 17 um uh, yeah Jaden and then I have a 12 year old um and then I have a seven year old so they're five years apart I always tell people it's Every five years is because I, I had this Every thing five I told my husband, until they can change themselves, dress themselves, I'm not bringing another one. I will not line up diapers and line up kids and put diapers in them all, right? Teresa did such a good job with, you know, yeah. her, her, her multiples, but I'm like, I'm not that kind of mom. I'm terrible. <laughs> so, uh, so I was like, they have to be independent so that <laughs> I can only manage one child at a time. So um, 
you know, and, uh, you know, interestingly enough, I realized the other day, we will also only have one college at a time, right? It will be prolonged pain, but there would only be one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Every time. That's a good exactly. point. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you're going to do college for like like 12 years now. The other day, the seven-year-old, I'm like, I don't even know how these kids come up with these things. She said something like, by the time I'm 18, you're going to be so old. You will look like my grandmother. And I was like, (laughs) that's very rude. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and. And I totally love your plan. Our children um, are very similar in age. My my son is about to turn 17. My middle one's 13. And my baby is eight. So I always joke I raised three <laughs> only children because they, exactly. Exactly. they like yes. getting my full yes. attention, each, each one of them. So, um, And I saw Jaden. Did um, he so join the Army Reserve? Is that right? Both of us. I mean, oh. he has always loved history. And, you know, like he's history, like he's taking college history and he's been for the last two years. Um, And so uh, in some ways I get it because he understands that concept probably more than I even do. Uh, But when he came to us, I was kind of like, oh, hold on. Of course, my husband flipped out even a little more than I did because he acted like he was living for a rock that day. I was like, calm down. It's a reserve. (laughs) Let's Mm. hear him out. Um, and so they have this program yeah. where they can join the Army Reserve and actually join when they're 17. And they will go to the uh, basically basic training and boot camp. So he was actually in the Carolinas for that for the summer. He was gone for 12 weeks. Um, I mean, when I hear his stories, it was brutal and intense. And he was actually one of the youngest ones there. Um, and so, you know, really proud of him mm. because, I mean, he... He really believes in what he's doing. He plans on really sticking with it every weekend right now. Like once uh, one weekend a month, he still goes and does his military duties. They were kind of doing it online for a little bit, but now they are back, you know, in person. Um, I mean, the fact that that is 17 years old, I didn't know that he had the maturity to be able to actually commit and like go through the commitment with very brutal training. I mean, some of the, you know, exercises that they put them through there were several people that dropped out and my 17 year old who was the youngest kid there made it through Mm. um and so you know he's you know yeah it was again like I said very surprising for us you know because I didn't see him making that decision so early but in some ways too I'm not surprised and then seeing what he is now on the other side I mean he's so much grown up he's much better with his sisters than he used to be he's learned to kind of you know, let them do their girl emotional stuff. <laughs> the two girls sometimes is like 10, you know. Um, <laughs> so um, just watching how he's matured, like I was telling somebody, they need to make it a requirement for all young boys to join the military <laughs> at least for a little bit or at least go through basic training um, just to kind of bring that out mm. of them. We used to bang on his door like a hundred times to wake him up in the morning. He just does all that like automatically completely by himself, very disciplined now, very focused. Mm. Um, You know, he was always a really good kid, but it's just sort of nice to kind of see that adult side of him really come out after he finished basic training. So really proud of my sweet boy, although he doesn't want me to call him that anymore. Wow. Exactly, because I'll find myself saying, (laughs) oh, he's always your sweet little boy. I mean, seriously. Change that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I should, but I haven't yet, but I'm trying to. <laughs> Does he want to um, join the army, yeah, so, like you know, he for wants, college, he wants for to go to law um, school? So I know, know he's like applying for to you know pre-law type of programs for college, and I mean, I think he's planning on staying in it through college, and then may consider going active. You know, um, so we'll see how that develops. But I think it's in his mind to to do that right he wants to be jag when he's done <laughs> yeah 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 mm. that's exciting your your little one is a real is a person with his own dreams and hopes and i mean i'm not surprised his mother's kind mm-hmm. of a firecracker so he's really he's really going after his dreams um that's amazing it's amazing um 
Teresa, have you haven't have you been Never. to Malawi? Have no, you? Been, it's have my you goal. Been? One of these, I keep promising yeah. them that I will. It's just like my kids were so little, and I was like, eh, I don't see myself, you know, being gone for two weeks. That seems so long. Um, but I, I do eventually plan to go. I do. It will I'm happen. not sure when, I'll but get you there. I, I, that is definitely yeah. a goal, and it's on Even my if bucket we have to list do it too. Kelly, I'll get you there. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> This is amazing. I mean, you know, a lot of our mama doc runner friends, like they haven't heard of a lot of this. Um, so I'm glad that you're both on here, but you're going to inspire a lot of people. Um, I as soon and as soon as you figure out logistics for next year, or you need volunteers or people even thinking of of, I don't know, um, you know, going on medical missions, you know, yes, do like, they just contact you? Do they Facebook you? Or they Facebook. DM you? How do they get in touch um, with you? And then I think our website is, um, oh, that's going to be hard to say here because it's in Chichewa. It's uh, portaria.org, P-O-T-H-A-W-I-R-A.org. Okay. And so, yeah, it usually has like trip information. Yeah, on I can it, put it in the notes, you know, but yeah, basically talks about the organization. There's some videos people can kind of you know scroll through that, and then it provides contact information. You know how people can contact me, and obviously, if anybody spoke to you right. about it, they're interested in the Kilimanjaro or the medical part of it. You know, we'll be happy to. If I even have people show interest right now in one of those things, it also helps me to kind of see like where could I start from, right? Like, what are the people that have already expressed interest? And then I can kind of know who I'm going right. to target based on what the, you know, COVID environment looks like on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 exactly. right. And like yeah. dates and logistics and stuff. I mean, this, this is super exciting. It meshes two of our things that we love. We love, you know, medical mm -hmm. missions and... Um, getting out there for like Kilimanjaro for any runner, like I feel like that's definitely something that we would all, um, you know, want to do eventually. It is a um, little bit hard. It's just yeah. travel right now is a little right. bit hard. I'm thinking Teresa may show up there and run it all and make us all yes. look like. Idiots. Are you guys? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. And be like, I'm done. For sure, she'll in. run up the you whole know? thing. <laughs> Well, I've heard some of the natives who, like, you know, um, Tanzanians who are helping oh, yeah, with they're logistics, they just, like, they run up and down there. the mountain. So literally, like, when you're up there and they're yeah. doing your cookings, when they run out of supplies, somebody runs over. There's somebody on the ground that will run up and bring something. Somebody will pick it up from there, give it to the next person. So they are running up and down the mountain. Yeah. You, you, yeah. yeah. I mean, you kind of feel right. like a fool, like you... It's like the hardest oh, yeah. thing that you're doing is just to get up part of the mountain. And then there are these native Tanzanians. They're like barefoot and they put something exactly. on their head like and run up the, the hill. Hiking with, like we're it's not all wrapped up. You know, I'm as American as any American that's up there with me. So I'm not looking like an African up there. I'm all wrapped up. I've got the good boots. I've got all this stuff, right? Yeah. And then I see these guys in like shoes that are torn and they don't even look like they would have a good grip. And they're just like passing by you and they're carrying 35 pounds worth of things. And we're struggling with our, you know, five pound you know, yeah. um, day packs. And so, you know, it's it's a completely different experience. And they do this like they can go up and come down all in one day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's they're at a completely oh different goodness. level. You can't even wow. try to compare yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's outrageous. Yeah. That's yeah. that's some major flexing there. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Well, I can't, you know, I mean, my head head is spinning. I'm thinking like, oh, maybe one day we should all do this or get a bunch of people together. Really? But, um, oh, God. Yeah. It would oh, be absolutely epic. It yeah, would be, be awesome. epic. Yeah. Exactly. Epic. And then we could go women to the, women. Mm -hmm. the birthing center and get? like, you do know? something amazing. <laughs> it it wouldn't get any better. I'm literally think I would like die of just being yeah. in like, you know, <laughs> being in heaven at right. that point. Like that would just be the ultimate experience. But I want to be very respectful of everyone's time because I know I think I and you like cleared some patience just to get on the phone well, with she, us and she's in the comfort of her home. Oh my god. I, I was like, even believe I guess, a little bit, you know. Oh god. <laughs> You're 
I mean, I'm so, you know, thank you so much. And Teresa, I know you are winding down your afternoon right now. So I really want to thank both of you for spending an hour with me. I mean, this is just so fantastic. I'm floored by your stories and by your hundred miler, Teresa. Congratulations. I hope your foot feels better. I can't wait to start running again. Yes. Yeah, and you know, maybe someday the three of us will hang out and climb up a huge mountain together. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna happen. All right, ladies. Thanks a lot. Have a great afternoon. Okay, gals, were you inspired? Are you ready to sign up and um, book a flight to Tanzania and Malawi? Um, I I sure am. <laughs> I can't wait for the day that we'll be able to plan something as, as big as this, as you know, epic as this. Um, I hope you all are doing well. If you're on call, if you're celebrating um, with your immediate families, as we look to 2021, I hope we're able to turn this page. I hope you are all getting this vaccine um, into your bodies and uh, happy running. <laughs>